Are we recording? Is this thing on? Yes, it is. Welcome to RevOps 500, where we invite the world's top marketers to answer the tough questions facing growing organizations. Ooh, sounds important. I'm Sajil Qureshi. And I'm Gil Bates. Join us as we dive deep into the world of RevOps. We'll be learning strategies and expertise from first-hand experience. RevOps 500 is sponsored by CompuTech. They provide technical and development expertise to growth-focused marketing. Let's get started. Hey everyone, Sajil Kreshi here with another episode of RevOps 500, where we interview some of North America's greatest marketers around. So today, I can't tell you how excited I am. Uh, really excited to be talking to a, to a guy I've known for a little while. Uh, he's got over six years of experience in sales, marketing, and growth roles. And as long as I've known him, he's been on a mission to help agencies and clients grow better by creating and executing effective growth and RevOps strategies. Uh, he's got a really unique background. Uh, you know, it's He's been the Marine Corps, his ministry, entrepreneurship, and he's also had a little bit of time at HubSpot. Now you can find him. He's the uh, he's the VP of Growth at Media Junction. Dylan Wycliffe, welcome to RevOps 500, man. So, Jill, good to see you, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Glad you're here. So, Dylan, why don't we just jump right in? Like, in your opinion, what is one RevOps myth? There's a lot of RevOps myths right now. It's a big buzzword. Um, I think for me, the the one big RevOps myth is that it's this new thing that hasn't existed up until now. Um, I maybe have a hot take here that 100% of businesses today are already doing RevOps, whether they know it or not. Um, so happy to happy to unpack that a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, well, why, why don't you? So, I mean, you're saying obviously there's there's some sort of alignment between customer success, marketing, sales, but they're just not defining it or making a strategy around? Is that what you're saying? Or I think this big RevOps push is more of a change management push. It's just branded in this really shiny, awesome looking RevOps package. So, right. um, and I could be wrong. If there's a company out there not doing anything to align your marketing sales and service uh, right now, then let me know. But for me, <laughs> um, RevOps is just the, the alignment and uh, kind of North Star alignment to revenue from your marketing team, your sales team, and your customer service team. I think a lot of companies aren't doing it intentionally. I think a lot of people aren't doing it deliberately. I think a lot of companies are um, very siloed in these three approaches. So there's a ton of opportunity to be doing RevOps better and to optimize these processes. But I would argue that 100% of companies are already doing RevOps. And that should be exciting. That, that should make people want to dive in head first because it's something they're probably already doing, even if they're not doing it well or on purpose. So a little bit of a hot take, a little clickbaity, but it, it's the thought is that I'm already doing marketing. I'm already doing customer service. I'm already doing sales. Uh, what can I be doing to optimize these processes and align all three of those to uh, revenue, of course. All right. So, so Dylan, I got a question for you. So now I, I know you used to work at a, I remember when we talked, you know, you, you told me you used to work at a pizza joint, right? So that's where I started. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, how how would RevOps say everybody's doing it, right? So how would you do yeah. that? How'd you do it at the pizza restaurant? What was that like? Well, I mean, you've got marketing. You've got the guy spinning the sign outside the front door. You've got okay. the neighborhood promotions. You've got the baseball park fundraisers that you do. So you've got so your marketing market. arm. Yeah. Okay. You've got your marketing arm. Now, is the pizza place going to be really good at uh, revenue attribution reporting? Probably not. Uh, but they can at least say sales were up this month. We We sold more pizza this month. We also did that baseball park fundraiser. They may not be as in tune with, they may not have a HubSpot dashboard showing them that because of this attribution and this QR code that links to this landing page with these UTM parameters, I now increased revenue. They probably aren't doing all that, Absolutely. but they're doing marketing. They're doing sales and the customer service. You have to make the pizza on time. You have to make sure people enjoy your product. You have to make sure they come back again. And they all have a point of service system, a POS platform. Yeah. So you're going to know if this is a repeat customer, even unintentionally. The cashier, when I was in high school, 15 years old, working at pizza at Brothers Pizza Company, mm -hmm. I would I would have known that they're an existing customer because I don't have to type their name. Um, but I, I know that like they've been here before. And I'm not consciously as a 15-year-old high schooler saying, ooh, great, great client retention, Brothers Pizza Company. Uh, but we are doing RevOps and, and we are able to report on these things. So yeah, that's a really awesome example, very relevant to my childhood. But I would say even Brothers Pizza Company in Franklin, Tennessee is doing RevOps, albeit completely unaware that they're doing it. Okay, so so then that that does make sense. What you're saying factually makes sense. You know, the pizza joint, yeah, yeah they, you know, they're doing they're doing fundraisers, that's the marketing, someone is selling the pizza or taking the order and then of course customer access makes sure the pizza tastes pretty darn good and yeah. people come back for more. So, I mean, 
now you're saying that if everybody's doing it, how how would they? How could they do it better? How how, how could everybody do it better? Not maybe not just the pizza pizza restaurant, yeah. but like anybody. How could anybody? What's one thing they could they could do to do it better, in your opinion? Well, so I believe RevOps is inevitable. I I still until someone proves me wrong, I stand by that 100 percent of companies are doing it. They're doing even, it, even if they're not doing it on purpose. But I think this this buzz, this wave of this RevOps revolution, if you will. Um, is happening because people are finding out that there are ways to do these things better. Um, and I think a lot of this started when HubSpot introduced the flywheel, when, the, when they put the, the funnel to rest. Um, Brian Halligan said it this way. He said that instead of your customers just being an output into your business, turning them back into an input into your business. So right. at the time, that was talking about the flywheel. That was talking about client retention, cross-sell and upsell, um, primarily the service hub uh, driving revenue for your company. But that's RevOps too. So for me, that might have been an early stage kind of branding play of what RevOps looks like today. But as far as like one thing that we can do today is is do RevOps intentionally. Um, and as an agency who comes in and does B2B services like this, um, and we work with some giant companies who have marketing departments and have giant sales teams and have customer service teams. And it's not our job to replace any of them, but it's a lot of times it's our job to uh, optimize all three of them and sync them together. So one thing that Media Junction did, so I can't speak for every single company, but to be our own best case study, we've started doing RevOps very intentionally. So we have uh, myself representing mostly the sales organization. Uh, we have Deanna Pavek on our team, our VP of operations. Um, she and I work together at HubSpot. Uh, she's overseeing a lot of client delivery. So like pretty much all of our services arm. Um, and then we have we have our CEO, Trish, and Kevin Phillips, kind of, he's our content director. And we have, we're hiring a marketer. So there's my little plug. Mm -hmm. um, but we're, we have kind of that arm representing marketing as well, too. But in order for us to be able to kind of like preach this RevOps mission, I want to be able to say like, we're doing this ourselves, too. So that's why our website always looks phenomenal, because we sell websites. That's why we're using HubSpot to its potential, because we're a HubSpot partner. Um, so when I say do RevOps intentionally, I mean, get a key employee from all three of these teams, marketing, sales, customer service, and meet every single week, uh, set up KPIs and benchmarks and, and numbers that you care about. So like we started measuring, uh, revenue on a weekly basis, uh, MQLs on a weekly basis, SQLs on a weekly basis, and then revenue influenced by cross sell and upsell on a monthly basis. So uh, it, it was a starting point, but but we now have a scorecard to look at. So we have like a North Star for metrics we care about. All of these metrics point back to revenue from the vantage point of marketing, sales, and customer service. And it's something that we know every Tuesday at 11 o'clock, we're going to be meeting for 30 minutes. And you better be prepared to talk about like how your department has influenced our RevOps push for the company. So um, that I would say like whether you hire an agency like us or you or you don't, um, you're probably already doing something marketing, sales, and service related. Get those three key team members, and it might be two. Your marketer and salesperson might be the same person. And in some instances, it might be one person. Um, and, and get those people, one to three to even more, and meet intentionally weekly to talk about how those three segments of your business are influencing revenue. And if you don't, if you don't have visibility, if you don't have, I don't know how much cross-sell upsell we've done. Um, that's your first like to do. That's your first task is build a report, find a way to task out or to track what sales came from existing clients, basically. Got it. And then you're you're tracking that probably like with referrals and, and stuff like this. Is that right? Yeah. And, it, and it's always evolving. I mean, I think yeah. that's what RevOps is. RevOps is it's change management to make these three segments better and less siloed. So yeah, you're, you're tracking referrals, you're tracking, um, like we get re reps from HubSpot referring business to us to help them close their deals. So mm -hmm. we're even going down as far as like the name of the rep referring the deal. So you realize over time, like as high levels you start, you end up getting very granular because you start getting curious. The more visibility you have into your data, the deeper you want to go. And it, it ends up being really fun and nerdy. I mean, for me, those two go hand in hand. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, you just you want to start tracking like where these leads are coming from, from these leads. How often are they qualified uh, by a sales team member? How often, how fast are they closing for? What's the average sales price? How often do they sign on for other services once they're a client? Um, how how long do we retain them? What is the lifetime value? And then you get really granular from there. So 
I think like my my one thing every business could do today is put it on the calendar. Call it RevOps Stand Up. Meet for 30 minutes and talk about how marketing, sales, and customer service can uh, better work together to increase revenue. So how long has it taken you guys to become your best case study? Oh, I'll, I'll let you know when, when we get still there. still in progress, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I mean, did you put like things like that? Like when, when a company's putting together like a RevOps, it's called RevOps strategy, RevOps operation, that's even a thing. Yeah, yeah. Revenue operations, operations, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, how, yeah. How, how long does it take to, I mean, what kind of timelines are you putting on something like that? Is, is it like years? Is it months? Is it quarters? I mean, what are you thinking? I think that's part of goal setting in general. I think goal yeah. setting without a deadline is just a wish list. Um, and we operate kind of loosely on the traction methodology. So like okay. we're setting short-term and long-term goals. We're doing like an IDS list, if you're familiar, uh, establishing rocks. Um, so like, I think a goal without a deadline is, is not a goal. It's just a, a wish list. Like I said, it's a discussion point. So, I mean, I think some of these things are very quick. Uh, I built a RevOps dashboard for the sales team the same day we decided to start meeting because the data is already in my CRM. Um, but there's other, there's bigger things too, like how establishing a well-refined cross-sell upsell process for our, our services team members. We have content managers and, and copywriters and solutions architects and people who are not salespeople and have never thought in their life, I need to have my antenna up for cross-sell upsell opportunities. So like there's, there's training involved. There's a lot of change management involved. Um, our tech stack's pretty complex. We have two different HubSpot portals, pre-sale and post-sale. So like having mm -hmm. to navigate some of the tech stack challenges too is, is a process. And that's taken us the better part of a year to, to do well. Um, but I think that's, why we're doing it so well is because we're, we're willing to try things. We're willing to make change quickly. If it's wrong, we're willing to fail really quickly and pivot. If it's right, we're willing to give each other props and we're not set in our ways. We're not hard headed. We're not like, we all want the same thing. We all want to increase revenue for all kinds of reasons. It's how you make hires. It's how you get raises. It's how you go on vacations. It's how you go on our RevOps team cruise, which I pitched to the team today and got shut down. But Hey, it's like, if we increase revenue, the money's there at some point. Right. Um, so that, that's what I would say is like some goals are very short term. And I think that's how you prioritize like of this list of wishes. What can I get done quickly? What has the most time to value? Um, and that's that's kind of what's worked for us. So I, it's very much still a work in progress um, of us becoming our own best RevOps case study. But the point is like we're doing it intentionally. We're meeting every single Tuesday. Um, and if there are action items but from Tuesday to Tuesday, like we're holding each other accountable to getting those done. Um, so much so that like there, there's no ego and if there is ego, like it's going to fail. Um, I got called out in my, uh, RevOps stand up today even. Um, and it was very direct, very blunt. And the feedback was basically like, that's not a sales process. That's not a consultative sale. Um, and the context doesn't really matter, but like the fact that my team knows that, yes, I'm a VP. Yes. I'm pretty tenured here. Yes. I know what I'm doing, but like, even I deserve direct blunt feedback, even if it stings a little bit. Uh, because it makes everybody better. Now, and I know going out of that meeting that no one's mad at me. Like, And if I have to come down on somebody, like that's not a marketing process or that's a bad call to action. Like being able to be direct and blunt like that, knowing that we all want the same thing is a big key to our success too so far. Yeah, so getting everybody in a room, staying connected, those are kind of like, a, I mean, the, like you said, there's the, it's a brick rocks for any, any, any sort of goal, including building like a, an effective rev op strategy for an agency or any, any kind of business. I mean, yeah. What about like, so, I mean, let's fast forward to when you, when you feel like this is like, uh, I mean, there's no definition of done really. I mean, like when, when, Ever, you feel, yeah. when, when you feel like it's, it's in a place where, you know, you kind of, you actually can say, yeah, we are our best case study. What yep. does that, what does that look like to you? What, I mean, what, what would that look like for any organization in your opinion? I think, uh, Ultimately, like the the North Star for RevOps is that revenue number. So I think we're able to okay. see an increase in revenue. Um, and, and we're wanting like 25% growth over the next maybe 18 months or so. So it's, it's a big growth number. Um, but if we see that kind of number, we know that it's going to be directly related to like our dedication to RevOps processes and improvement. Um, but also like the ways that we'll see that it, we, may, we may, not, may not see that cash in hand per se, but like our team that was so committed to doing things better will get raises. Our team will, I mean, I just told you the other day, we're hiring very aggressively right now, mm -hmm. but it's because we're celebrating a pretty exciting time of profitability. And 
the goal is not to just like build a checking account. The goal is not to fill my pockets. The goal is to like find remarkable people and, and keep this thing going. Cause like you said, it's never done. So I think, I think revenue is the ultimate North star. Uh, I think the, the org chart will be a pretty good tell of, is this working? Because right now we, we have me sitting in that growth seat and I'm kind of facilitating our rev ops work. Um, but I think ultimately, like, I'd love to hire a RevOps team uh, that's filled with, like, enablers, marketing enablement, sales enablement, even, like, CS enablement. Um, I'd love to have people dedicated to just, like, internal operations. Um, in, in the agency side, it's a little bit different. Like, and you know this, like, we all wear multiple hats. Um, and you just, you get really creative on how you manage your bandwidth. Um, and it's not just because we're small. It's just because, like, it's way less important that my RevOps is really good than my client's RevOps is really good. So like for me, it's more important that I have someone who can deliver RevOps services for a client than it is to be able to do it internally. So I want to have best practices and I want, I want to know that like we are our own best case study. Um, but ultimately, like for me, I'll know that RevOps is working really well for Media Junction when I see my clients growing and getting through economic uh, challenges and hiring and not going through layoffs and keeping us on like any client that we're doing rev up services for. And like you said, eventually, like you get to a point where like, it's, we're kind of good. We've gotten there and that they, they still see value in working with us. That tells me this is working. So there's a, there's a ton. I mean, I, we could do a whole episode on like, how do you know if rev ops is working? I think that's a great topic. Um, yeah. Again, like I, I think it's a constant evolution. It's a constant work in progress. I think until proven wrong, 100% of people are already doing rev ops for their business today. Um, and you're continuing to refine and make that better. Um, and you can only do that with good data. So, which is a okay. little HubSpot plug there. Yeah. So let, let, let's, let's, let's talk data then. And yeah. let's, let's, let's talk about like KPIs. If, if everybody's doing rev ops, let, let's go back to, let's go back to Brothers Pizza, right? In Franklin, Tennessee. Now, what, mm -hmm. what does, what would a KPI for them look like if they are now as picture they're doing RevOps in a, in a way which you could say is media junction certified? Okay, so what does that what does that look like for them? Is it like is it number of veggie pizzas sold, high profit items, customer six five star reviews, NPS scores? What is it? What are the ones that you're you're going to be highlighting as a as like a, as a guru in this to them well, if, if you're if you're on retainer with them? Yeah, well, as much as I love them dearly. They are not a good fit for our our client fit matrix, well, okay. Yeah. But but so while while they not ever they may never be a uh, media junction client, and they actually don't exist anymore, so I can say that kind of tongue in cheek. But um, <laughs> Brothers Pizza, first and foremost, like they did this huge mailer campaign. There's there's three really big neighborhoods that surround okay. the pizza place, um, and they they sent these giant mailers out, and they were huge. Like they didn't fit in the mailbox, like you couldn't miss it. They were everywhere. Um, it was like a buy one, get one special only for these three neighborhoods. Um, but they didn't require that you bring the mailer in to like prove it. You, they, you just say like, Hey, I live in Founders Point or I live in Spencer Creek. So like bring the mailer in would be a first step. So you can track, Hey, sales were up by this much today. And here's how many of the, the brochures that we brought in or the coupons. Um, but also like being able to even measure even further, like of the three neighborhoods, which neighborhood participated the most. Um, if the special was for large two topping pizzas, how many more large two topping pizzas did we sell? So it's like, I think you start at the campaign level. Um, who are we trying to draw in? And it's residents of these three neighborhoods. What are we offering them? Large two topping pizza. And then once they've brought it in, how many people actually walked into the store, took us up on that offer? Uh, how much revenue did that account for? And then from a customer service standpoint, how many of them did I reach back out to? How many did I thank for coming in? How many uh, surveys did I send out? How much feedback did I get? How many of them came back the next 30 days? Um, so I think like it's just this whole customer journey. And I think people, people forget that they picked up your brochure in the mailbox while arguing with their kids on the way to school. And like you were, you were an afterthought. They didn't intentionally read your brochure. But all of a sudden, there's a whole like human journey that happens between grabbing that coat, that coupon and deciding I'm going to walk across the street. So, I mean, now we get even as nuanced as like, what is your messaging? What is your brand positioning? And you can get really nerdy with like how to impact that buyer's journey. Um, but yeah, I think the same would apply in like a good fit B2B organization as well, too. It's, your email is spam until it's not. Uh, and no matter how great your email is, no matter how hard you worked on it, it is spam until it converts. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that that's what I would say. So in the context of the pizza joint, I'd want to know all the campaign metrics that matter. 
and I'd build a scorecard around it or I'd build a dashboard in HubSpot for it. Uh, and then once I'm able to track who walks through the door through my POS system and hopefully that POS system integrates with HubSpot, right? I can build a dashboard on who actually walked in and, and who completed a purchase. And then of them, I'd want to roll a campaign out like, hey, neighbors of Spencer Creek, thanks so much for coming in. Hope you enjoyed that pizza. Would love to hear what you thought. Thumbs up, thumbs down, neutral face, right? Um, but if you're not measuring these things, like that's where you start. You start measuring with the very, when I say it like this, it sounds very simple. Um, and, and to you and me, this is a knee-jerk reaction because this is just, we do this all day, every day. Sure. But for the Devin Kundal, the CEO or the founder of Brothers Pizza Company, who plays slow pitch softball on Thursdays and just needs enough money to keep the lights on. This is a retirement gig for him. Like for someone like that, his his mind doesn't operate around the buyer's journey like ours does. And that, I think that's why agencies like us exist is because I want Devin to be focused on making the best pizza in the in the state of Tennessee, right? Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. So I mean, like, and that that's such an interesting way of putting it because you know, in, in, you know, in a minute and a half, you, you kind of did build out a RevOps function for a, a piece yeah. of joint. And you know, obviously, you know, it's, it's oversimplified and it could be totally, blown yeah. out and, and, you know, you could say, you know, you could get really nerdy as you said, but, oh yeah, you know, how do you, I mean, is it, is it, is it really, is that really something that people in, in different B2B tech companies or whomever, are they not doing that enough? Just asking or, or thinking about questions like that? Like, I mean, it, it really, it really, it really is what you said that, you know, it's, it's, Start with the campaign, then go through. They can go through the sales and go and talk about delivery afterwards. I mean, are, is this just are you are you not seeing this happening in an effective way all the time? And that's why you know guys like you and I exist, or or what? I think that everyone's doing something, yeah. And there, no matter where you are, I mean, it's just like the buyer's journey. You come in top of the funnel, you come in middle of the funnel, you come in bottom of the funnel, ready to close. Like just like the buyer's journey, I think this RevOps journey that people are on, there's different starting points for everybody. Um, yeah. working with a giant company like Discord or Microsoft, they're going to have some systems in place that are pretty great. But I guarantee you, I can find ways to make things better for them, whether it's, and I mean, RevOps even goes into your tech. Like, I mean, you can get even like your tech stack can be more optimized. Like your sales team doesn't have visibility here because you're using a separate CRM from your marketing platform and they're not integrated, right? So there's all kinds of things like that that happen. So yes, they have systems. Yes, a lot of these companies do it really well. Um, but I think it would take a very proud person to to not be able to admit there's always opportunity to do better. It's a little bit of a blanket answer from a sales guy at an agency, of course, to say something like that. Um, but I'd be shocked if anyone, I mean, even someone who specializes in RevOps, I'd be shocked if even they couldn't sit down for 30 minutes, distraction-free, and identify ways to get more efficient and to get better. Um, there's always low-hanging fruit. And, and usually that low-hanging fruit is like cross-selling and upselling to your install base, your customer base. Um, because I think people still have a tendency to think of your customers as an output and not an, not an input. So, I mean, I am seeing people do RevOps really well. And some people do it even well enough to where it, it as much as I hate to, it pains me to say it, I'm a sales guy, but I think there are some companies that do it well enough that they don't need to bring us on. Like you guys have really good systems. I'll build your website. I'll be, I'll be your web team. I'll be your technical HubSpot team, but your systems are great. Um, we could always make them better. I'm happy to come on if you insist, but kind of like unselling people is, is fun yeah. for me too, where it's like, I, I could add value. I could do well, but like, you're not someone desperate for RevOps improvement. So I just think, I think you meet it's person to person. There's not a blanket answer. Uh, some, and it, you probably see it too. Some companies do it really well and some companies don't. Um, and it's my job as a good, I mean, just person to, to know when and when not to push to, to like join the team, you know? Yeah, so let like let, let's uh let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, like you know, you're you're one of those people who likes to you know like to say sell like a human. What exactly does that mean to you, man? I am obsessive with this. I told you I bought the domain selllikeahuman.com. I I'm working yeah. on a book. Who knows if I'll ever actually do it? But this is definitely my thing. Um, I know I'm not the only one doing it, but I bought the domain. So as far as anyone cares, mm -hmm. I was first. Um, but for me, it's I mean I'm wearing a dang baseball jersey right now, right? Like I I. I don't put on a, a shirt and tie because that's just not who I am. And I say dude and I make dad jokes and I have fish and a bearded dragon in my room. And my kids will probably barge in here in superhero costumes any minute. Like I'm a normal person over here. Uh, but it doesn't take long to know that, you know, although I wear Hawaiian shirts and I have a mullet and I have big holes in my ears, like despite some of these goofy, quirky things about me as a human, 
I know HubSpot. I know websites. I know RevOps. I'm very technical. Uh, one of my clients was kind of disappointed that I wasn't part of their engagement after they signed because they the whole sales process, they thought I was a solutions architect. And I'm like, no, I'm just the sales guy. I just happen to know this stuff pretty well. So I think despite that I'm a, a normal human, uh, I don't sacrifice like my knowledge or my savviness at all. Um, I'll never badmouth a competitor. There are a lot of other agencies that I have, you know, varied feelings about, uh, but no one will ever know who I feel strongly good or bad about. Um, I, I will always be kind. Um, I won't upsell somebody just because I can get more money for it. Um, I also tell people all the time that like, um, I don't want to make the money conversation weird. And that's just like the word that I say. It's very disarming. It's very just comes out of my mouth very naturally. Uh, I, I tell sales reps that I hire, like, don't try to replicate what I do. Like, I'm a weird person. Like, you be your own kind of weird. Um, but I tell people all the time, like, hey, I don't want to make the money conversation weird. But like, I, I got to know how to structure this proposal in a way that you'll get approval for. So a lot of times I'm able to secure budget that way and know kind of what I'm working with. Um, and then once we've kind of disarmed, I can also say like, listen to Jill, like, love you dearly. I'd love to work with you, but this is not a $20,000 project. This is an $80,000 project. Absolutely. Um, should we remove the scope? Should I talk to your powers at B? Should I go through a presentation like to help kind of establish the value here a little bit better? Um, but also like, you know, you've probably done this too. Like, um, you'll hear someone say, oh, I don't really have an established budget. I, you know, I just, I don't know what I don't know. And I want to launch tomorrow. Like, oh, I want to launch yesterday. Like the classic joke. Um, and it's like, I'm not, to sell like a human for me is to not be afraid to like say the number first. Um, I think a lot of people in sales and like all the LinkedIn sales bros would, you know, kill me for this one. But it's just like, this project cost me what it cost me. And based on what I understand now, so you like, this $120,000 project. When I tell you that, does that make you want to hang up on me? Or is that about what you expected? Absolutely. And that for me, it's like, I'm not afraid to say the number first. I'm not going to change the number of what it cost me just because I know your budget. Um, so I do want to establish budget as part of my like sales qualification process. But if they don't have a number or they don't want to tell, tell the sales guy their number, like I want to be more than a sales guy. I don't want to play games. Um, I want to, I'm, I'm not afraid to say the number first. Um, I'm over the top kind. I will, t I will take the time to talk about the weather. I will take the time to tell you what kind of fish I have. And I will take the time to introduce you to my son and his Iron Man costume when he walks through the door. Um, and throughout those, these normal human things that I do, if you get a sense that I'm no longer a good fit for you and your business because of those things, then you're, you're probably right. Like those things are part of me. My, my son's Spider-Man costume comes with the territory of working with me. And, uh, but I'm also a, HubSpot, a former HubSpot employee. I'm also an elite HubSpot partner. I'm also a four, almost five time accredited agency. Like I know my stuff. I just have a mullet, you know? So th there's a lot that goes into it. And, but I'm, I'm very obsessive with turning sell like a human into this well-established framework, as opposed to like Dylan's just quirky and that's his hashtag. I want to turn it into something more tangible and measurable. Um, but for me, I, I, it's about being kind. It's about being genuine and you can't fake it. Like there's, if you're faking this over the top kindness. And I've caught, a, I've caught some sales reps doing my quirky stuff a few times where it's like, dude, I love it when I do it. But like, it sounds so unnatural coming from you. And like, don't, don't force yourself to like do it my way. The whole point is that you're doing it your way, right? Hey everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of RevOps 500. This podcast is a great opportunity and channel for revenue operations and much more. If you've been thinking about a podcast or you want to ship production to a friendly team, check out ringmaster.com. They're the team behind this podcast. RevOps 500 is sponsored by Computan. Computan serves as the back-end dev and technology team for shorthanded marketing agencies and departments. Shorthanded. Wait a minute. That sounds like me. Now, let's get back to it. The end. So now you, you got you got sell like a human. You know we're on a podcast about RevOps, obviously here. What would yeah. what would RevOps like a human look like, or even marketing like a human look, look like in, in your in your opinion? Let's start yeah. with RevOps. What, what would what would that look like in in your view? How would that how would you tweak sell like a human to be RevOps like a human? Well, that's uh that's part four of my book series. So sell like a human, market <laughs> like a human, service like a go. human, right? There you go. Uh, integrate <laughs> like a human. I don't know AI like a human. You know it's, it's very like brand, human. very brandable. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm still dabbling in that a little bit. I think uh, I, I touched on it very briefly that kind of segued into this conversation, but okay. knowing when to like dive in and kind of advocate for a change versus when to step back and say, I don't, I'm not always right. Like even as the RevOps specialist, sometimes the clients are right. And I, I think agencies have a tendency to assume we're always right. Um, we are always right when we're recommending HubSpot, but we're not always right with execution decisions, right? So um, I think like the way to really service clients well is to be able to have that radical candor to say like, listen to Jill, like you're an amazing client. And because I care for you deeply, like I strongly disagree with this, but I don't have an ego. I'm willing to try it. If you're willing to try it, if you're right, let's, I'll fly over there for a weekend and let's celebrate. But if, if it doesn't work, I want to try it my way too. Um, and that's what a good partnership looks like. So I think RevOps like a human, if you will, uh, it looks transparent. It looks genuine. There's no ego. Um, and we have data to point back to. So I think um, we take like a lot of the emotion out of it, a lot of the guesswork out of it. As long as we're, we're willing to be good partners, RevOps is all about experimentation. It's about trying things. As long as the data is there to point back to, to say good choice, maybe not great choice, then uh, I think RevOps like a human looks very collaborative, looks very consultative, um, looks very ego-free. Um, I think someone delivering RevOps services shouldn't be punished for uh, maybe an experiment that didn't go like we planned. Just like I think, uh, you know, a CEO shouldn't be patronized just because they tried something that didn't go well either. But uh, either side that may be right should be celebrated. We should have a happy hour celebrating a RevOps movie that we made together. And so for me, it's like, in, to sell like a human is very genuine, very kind, um, very ego-free. I think RevOps like a human is the same. It's very kind. It's very ego-free. It's very collaborative. And um, I think that's what I'd say. Yeah. It's kind of like in both cases, you're, you're like a teammate who who doesn't mind, you know, kind of receding the credit or receding the spotlight to somebody else. And that, that's that's kind of a nice... Uh, Nice way of looking at it. I mean, even even if it's sell, sell like a human or else like a human, in, in most cases you're you're always saying, look, I, you know, you check the ego out, you check the, you know, you go in with the honesty, you lead with the honesty, and the and the, you know, the vulnerability, I guess, and that's what kind of gets you, gets gets you to that, that that yeah. deep level where you can have those conversations, you come up with like a really good solution. You start, you sounds, start with those things. Yeah, and, and it sounds really rah rah and cool coming from the agency yeah. guys on the podcast, but yeah. like <laughs> I have to I have to live this out, so like. I just got off a rev a rev up stand up um, right before we're coming on here to record with you, um, and I was kind of the it was my week where it was just like I was the one who dropped the ball on some things. Um, it wasn't due to a lack of effort; it was just due to uh, some judgment calls that were made, and um, I got some very direct feedback from the CS side of our rev ops team. And mm -hmm. I mean, and again, I'm like one of the most tenured people on that stand up, and I'm as far as the org chart goes, I'm closer to the top than most of those people. Um, but it was very direct feedback. Um, I'll be honest, like, I want to say, like, I handled it like a professional. I was collaborative. I'm glad I got the feedback. But no, like, I kind of shut down and it kind of ticked me off. I'll be honest, like, getting called out in front of my boss and uh, having, like, this one client, like, be my fault that it hasn't sold. And we ended up, like, resolving it and realizing that, you know, what was wrong was actually not wrong. But, like, I'm still getting very direct feedback from my CS team who relies on me to handle cross-sell, upsell, and this opportunity hasn't been sold yet. Um, and the feedback, like I said earlier, was, Dylan, like, that's not a process. Do we need to find someone else to work this type of opportunity? And, you know, I'm kind of exposing myself here for for all to hear, but I want to be real. I think that's what RevOps Like a Human looks like. Yeah. I think uh, they should feel free to give me that kind of feedback. I should be free to maybe have a knee-jerk emotional reaction to it. Like, kind of takes me Absolutely. off for a second. Yeah. But here I am now talking about it. Uh, I've already gotten a Slack message from the person who gave me that feedback, like, I haven't read it, but I, I saw kind of the the preview. It's like, hey, I'm sorry I was so direct. But, but I know she's going to say, like, here's why I said that. Um, I want us to be great. You and I are a great team. I look forward to reading that message uh, right after this podcast. But for me, like, that's what RevOps Like a Human looks like. Um, I have to be willing to receive direct feedback, even if it hurts my feelings or whatever for a second. Um, I have to be able to swallow my pride, leave my ego at the door and say, like, my teammate has a point. My teammate wants me to succeed. Like my teammate wants me to close that deal. Um, and the reason she spotlighted this one particular instance is because it was an opportunity for the sales team to do better. And she knows like when there's an opportunity for CS to do better, like I'm going to spotlight that. I'm going to expose it. 
And like you mentioned, I was in the Marine Corps. So like I'm very direct as a communicator as well, too. And she's not going to take it personally when that day comes either. So for me, I think that's what RevOps Like a Human looks like internally, um, as opposed to agency to client. I think internally, it's you check your ego at the door. Um, I don't care who's getting credit for this revenue. Like I closed a deal that was from a cross-sell upsell opportunity. And we're going to attribute that to the, the CS team. Like, who cares? I'm getting my commission on it. The revenue's here. We're, we're going to hit our numbers yeah. and it's cool. So um, I don't know. I don't want to just share the rah-rah side of RevOps because sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it's not oh, fun. Yeah. You're, you're meeting with three different types of people who all think they know really well how to do their part. Marketers, marketers like to know marketing really well. Salespeople, we get set in our processes because we just had a huge month and we know what works. CS has to talk to the client every day. So it's like we all three have our own different kind of friction points and vantage points, and we all want everyone to know that we're rock stars. And we are. Um, but to make us even better, we have to be able to have that radical candor to be able to give each other feedback, knowing that we're still going to be a great team member this afternoon, too. Yeah. And then having the ability to, and having the ability and the confidence to actually go through and have those conversations would be very human like as well. Having feeling upset about the criticism is also human like as well. So RevOps is all about people and their, emotions and their feelings and their understanding of what's good for the company, what's wrong for the company or the business or the operation, you know, all those sorts of things. Yeah, so, yep. so like, let's, let's talk a bit, a bit about you before we wrap Like, you know, how, how, how did you get to media junction? Where'd you come from? What's your, what's your story? Like, how did, how, how did, uh, how did Dylan become Dylan? I guess. My story is weird, man. And I kind of overlook how just unorthodox it is until people every so often will ask about it. Yeah. Um, but my my story's my story's bizarre and I'm very proud of it at this point. Um, it's something that started as a very tough point of just I was very self conscious about my story up until I got on at HubSpot. Um, and then when I got on at HubSpot, I realized like, dang, this this is, could be a really cool story. So um I started working at fifteen. Um my parents were in real estate when I was in high school and two thousand eight hit. Uh really crazy just economic times for for the US. Um, so I started working at 15, didn't even realize that my parents were like going through hard financial times. I had, I had no idea. I just, I just had this itch to like start working. So, um, I, I missed Friday night football games cause that's the busiest night for pizzas. Um, so I, I just started working really young and by 16 years old, I'm, I'm in high school and I'm now the assistant store manager and I'm like hiring and firing 30 year olds. And for me, that's like, you're twice my age. Like, why the heck am I responsible for all this? But I, I lived there. I just. I just had this itch to work and I learned a lot about like my human skills there also became very good at throwing pizza dough in the air. And I still have that skill for anybody who wants to see it. I'll maybe I'll do a TikTok one day. Um, so that was my first job. I ended up going to college uh, for only for three years at Tennessee Tech. Mm-hmm. And I worked at Chili's as a bartender um, to pay my way through. Um, I had some scholarships just through the state of Tennessee. Uh, worked at Chili's all through college, um, but I kept changing my major. I I was secondary education for a semester. Then I was pre-law for like part of a semester, but pre-law fell under business. So I switched to general business instead. Um, then I ended up in fitness and wellness, which is part of the exercise science school. Um, and then I just, I just couldn't find like, I couldn't set roots and I'm kind of starting over every time. Like I get through my gen ed courses and then I take computer up computer science class that I needed for business, but now I don't need for exercise science. So I'm like taking steps backwards toward my degree. And I just, I couldn't find my, my niche. I couldn't find where I belonged. Um, so I, I ended up leaving school, uh, with, you know, mediocre grades. I wasn't like failing out, but I wasn't, I wasn't about to get on the Dean's list or anything. Um, but I just, I couldn't get passionate about reading American literature, knowing that I'm trying to become, you know, a physical therapist is what I was pursuing at that time. Um, so I ended up leaving school uh, and just taking some time off. And this was uh, October of 2013. October of 2013. Uh, by December of 2013, I was on a bus to Paris Island, South South Carolina for uh, Marine Corps boot camp. And it was a very impulsive decision. I was I was 20 years old, didn't really have like a career path going yet. So I just said, I'm just going to join the Marines. And it was very sudden. Everyone thought I was just kind of like saying random stuff, but I was on a bus less than three months later. Uh, joined the Marine Corps. Uh, I was an 0311 infantry rifleman uh, for 323 Kilo Company for six years. Uh, that's a reserve unit right outside of Nashville. So 
while in the reserves, I was able to establish kind of a civilian career. Um, I worked at CarMax selling cars for a little while. Um, I just, I wasn't great at that. It's a very transactional process and mm. it just kind of got a little, little dry for me. Um, I ended up working at this really obscure healthcare company uh, and I couldn't even tell you what I did, but I basically, I worked, I learned Excel at that company. I learned how to use spreadsheets really well. I'm like, I got like really good at it. Um, and then from there, I ended up at this company called American Addiction Centers, which is where I really consider my career to have started. Um, I got on as a, a call center sales rep for American Addiction Centers, which is the admissions office. Uh, did that for about a year and then spent the next year as the call center training specialist. So now I have Salesforce end user experience. I have uh, training and development experience as like a training facilitator. And I, I trained all the call center employees for the better part of a year, year and a half. Then I ended up going back to being a rep in the call center again. And around this time, we had just done a big Salesforce rebuild. And I was the, the call center kind of advocate. So as the architects would build something, they'd ask for my opinion as a rep in the call center, like, how does this feel for your team? And I just really fell in love with CRM development and the collaboration of it. Awesome. So much so that I, I applied to work at Salesforce. Um, there was an exec that lived in Nashville and I started working at Salesforce. Um, but a, and at the time I was running like a small branding agency on the side, trying to kind of solopreneur my way into working for myself. Um, but someone who had just left this healthcare company that I worked for was working for this company that I thought was Orange Theory Fitness. I was like, I knew he was working from home now. I maybe he was doing marketing or something, but <laughs> he had a big Orange Theory sticker on his wall. I saw, um, yeah. come to find out it was HubSpot. Of course, I had never heard of HubSpot. I was using Salesforce Lightning for my agency. I just told you about, I was literally applying to work at Salesforce because I was ready to just nerd out. And this guy calls me. He says, his name's Chris, Chris Moore. Shout out to Chris Moore if you ever hear this. Yeah, he's, he, he's still at HubSpot. Yeah, he's yeah, still yeah. a strategic cam at HubSpot. Yeah, he's ours, yeah. Oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. Make sure he knows I'm on here then because he's, he's the reason I ended up at HubSpot. Nice. Um, I worked at his house a few times when I was on there too, but just a remarkable dude, just a great human. Um, but he calls me. He says, hey, man, like, I know you're kind of looking for what's next. I know your, your time at AAC is up. I work for this company. I don't know how I never thought of this, but you would just be a perfect fit for this place. And I was like, oh, yeah, you must have a referral fee coming your way. Like, whatever, dude. Uh, but then I learned about the company and it's like they're very techie. They're at the time, like still kind of a startup, uh, even though they're funded and public at that point. Um, but then I realized like the kind of personality and kind of tech savviness and just overall nerdiness that I have is a great fit to be a HubSpotter. Um, but he ended up coming on at HubSpot in uh, 2018. Um, I became that orange cape right there is my uh, remote spot heart hero award. I was the I was like all in. I bled orange. I won an award for representing the core values for all of remote HubSpot employees. Nice. Um, then COVID hit. COVID hit in 2020. I was over all the Canadian HubSpot partners. Not all, but I was over like a third of them. Um, and Canada responded very differently to a global pandemic than like the U.S. did. Yeah. Uh, from my experience, like Canada was more waiting on like government aid and kind of finding out like how how Canada was going to handle the pandemic and all purchasing was turned off basically, especially for a commodity like software. So I just, I wasn't able to hit my numbers. Um, at the time it was kind of a gray area of what was happening, but we had a very black and white policy. Like if you don't hit your quota, you get put on a plan. If you get put on a plan, you succeed or you're let go. Um, unfortunately I, I was let go during COVID. Um, and this, all this self-consciousness from getting passed up for management at the healthcare place and not having my degree and, now losing my dream job to a pandemic because I, I was doing great until COVID. Um, but now I've lost my dream job and I'm just panicking. Like, what so, else? What am I going to do now? And I, I belong at HubSpot. I, I'm, a, I'm a freaking heart hero. Here's my case. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I, I am the most, even today, I would argue I'm one of the most HubSpot-y people out there. Um, so I just, I was very self-conscious. I, I, was, I was mad. I was embarrassed. I was sad. And I said, whatever I end up doing next... I'm not going to fall in love with it like I did at HubSpot. Um, I had, and it was awesome, seeing LinkedIn just go to bat for me. I had probably 20 options to, to interview within just the first couple of days of being unemployed. Uh, but Jill, Jilly Fratt, if you're familiar with Jill at HubSpot, she was our cam. She calls me and says, hey, before you sign any offer letters, 
can you please, can I just introduce you to Media Junction? They're one of my partners. I had actually never heard of them. Um, she And I just said, sure, Jill, just because you're a great friend. Uh, but I, I call Media Junction, or they call me, and <clears throat> I just knew right away. I just, this was my home, and this, this feels like I'm going to fall in love with this place like I did HubSpot. Um, I even signed, the joke is that I signed an offer letter as a BDR before even committing to a salary range. Um, which it's not like 100% true, but it's like pretty true. Like I'll, I said, I'll sign right now. I would love to start next Monday. And I don't even care what the numbers say. I'll work my way up. And uh, they ended up taking great care of me financially. They ended up giving me director of sales title. So I didn't actually start as a BDR, but I was willing to. Um, so three years later now, I'm uh, on the leadership team. I'm on speaking engagements like this because our CEO just doesn't like to do them. So yeah. Uh, I got another one today who says like, hey, we reached out to Trish. We want you on our blog. She said to reach out to you because she's not interested. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like kind of the catch-all content guy for Media Junction now. And uh, at Inbound, it's the first time that people knew who I was and wanted like a selfie with me. And I'm just, I went from kind of like just a rep at HubSpot to, I don't know, I have a voice in the ecosystem now and, and it means a lot. And I went from really self-conscious I didn't finish school to... I never got promoted at AAC to I lost my dream job to I signed as a BDR to now it's like I'm home. Uh, Media Junction is my home. Uh, Trish, our CEO, she gets a really amazing version of me because of how much she empowers me and enables me to succeed. And I work my tail off too. So I, I work hard here. Um, yeah, I mean, the story is crazy. I don't want to bombard the podcast too bad. My, my note takers reminded me how long my monologue has been too. So, but my my story is just very unorthodox how I got here and how many times I almost went back to school thinking I would never have an opportunity to to be a leader like I know I have the potential to be. It's just, uh, I don't know, very humbling. I, I got hired in a training class at HubSpot with uh, a gal from Harvard on my left and a, a dude from MIT on my right. And I'm just like, I think I think I can succeed still. Um, and it was just kind of a good reminder that, you know, there there's more than one path to to success. and that applies to your your career path, that applies to RevOps, that applies to sales, that applies to your tech stack. Um, so I think being willing to be bold and to try things and to go out and make the ask and to not be afraid of failure is uh, kind of a resounding story of both my career path, but also how we help clients do really well. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, like, you know, I, I... I'll, I'll admit, it. I kind of asked the question knowing the answer as as you know, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I but, know. you know, it, you know, it's a... It, it it was a good one, you know. So that you know, I'm I I know I know your note takers, you know, complain about the monologue, but you know, I I enjoyed it. I'm sure everybody listening, you know, will, yeah, you know, for, for sure. Where, where do you? Okay, so one one final question I I, I like to ask you, like, where where do you sure. see the future of RevOps going, in your opinion? I think more and more companies are going to start adopting it intentionally. Um, I okay. think a lot of people, whether they hear it here or they just kind of come to the self revelation themselves, like. I think people are going to realize they're already doing marketing, sales, and customer service to some capacity, and that getting all three of those segments of their business aligned toward revenue goals is the way forward. So I think it's going to look very similar to how we saw uh, inbound many years ago kind of take over. So there was there was a day in the mid two thousands where you know they they created DVR so you can skip commercials and. They created ad bloggers and YouTube allowed you to skip ads or, or pay for premium. And uh, people stopped watching cable TV and listening to the radio and billboards already have terrible ROI. Like we, we saw inbound kind of take over where providing value and creating content went from this new revolutionary idea to the marketing coordinators who were like brought up on inbound are now CMOs. Now inbound and content, especially in the age of AI, like inbound is just in your DNA as a marketing team now. And I think that's going to be a, a similar trajectory to how we see RevOps take over in just like business operations is we're going to see, yeah, every department should be treated like a revenue generating department. And I think it's going to become more and more standardized. I think we're kind of early with the current packaging of RevOps, but I think, I mean, right now you're getting RevOps specialists and RevOps admins kind of for the first time in that job title. And I think they're going to become, you know, VPs of revenue and chief revenue officers. And RevOps is going to be the way that these people get promoted over time. And 
my goal now as an agency is to partner with these, you know, early stage RevOps admins and grow with them in their career. So like, I'll become your RevOps team while you're a RevOps admin team of one. And then as you climb the ranks, director of revenue operations, uh, VP of revenue, SVP of RevOps, CRO, uh, hopefully you'll remember those who kind of grew with you. And it happened, it happened with Inbound is why I, I use that example is we had marketing coordinators who worked their way up to CMO and we built the website and implemented HubSpot for that same person in five different roles at five different companies. And mm-hmm. I imagine it w- it'll look very similar for, for the RevOps side as well, too. So I think in short, kind of the future of RevOps is that something right now that feels like this obscure kind of commodity is going to become an inevitable necessity that just becomes part of business's DNA. Like nowadays, no one thinks twice about blogging. It's what you do to rank. And now that AI is here, like you do it twice as much. So I think I think Rev, the RevOps trajectory is going to look very similar. Where can people uh, learn more about you, Dylan? LinkedIn. I'm I'm all over LinkedIn. Uh, trying my best to. Uh, we are working on spinning up a podcast as well. Once I hire a couple sales reps, we're going to talk about a lot of things that are not business related too, just to have fun with it. Um, there you go. So be looking out for that. But I think MediaJunction.com, we just launched our new website. Check that out. And uh, Dylan Wycliffe on, on LinkedIn. So, Well, you know, this is kind of what I envisioned it would be. You know, we talked a little bit about pizza joints. We, you know, we kind of yeah. broke down some stereotypes. You know, you mentioned your story about your fish. I mean, it's all the things I wanted to hear. Totally. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, uh, I appreciate you coming on and jamming with me about this. Dylan. It meant a lot. Same, man. I can't believe I got the call. Like, it's, it's an honor to be here. I love being a part of this. And I'm um, just awesome to see you again, as always. And if if not before, then I'll see it inbound, of course. Yeah, of course, of course. So, you know, everybody who's listening, thanks a lot for uh, for tuning in. And if uh, if you laughed a little, you liked a little bit, you know, just uh, give a listen, share it with somebody else. Dylan, thanks a lot again, all right? Thanks, man. Take care. This has been another exciting episode of RevOps 500, and we'll see you guys all next time. And that wraps up another episode of RevOps 500. Thanks for joining For show notes and other episodes, visit us at RevOps500.com. RevOps500 is sponsored by CompuCare, providing technical and development expertise to growth-focused marketing teams.